This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So we're doing a series on revival. And uh, today I'm going to focus on vision for revival. So in the beginning... There was God. Go read Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. And according to understanding, nothing else. But then God had a vision. He had a vision. He saw you and me. He saw this universe. So I can imagine that God would, in his mind, in his heart, he would have seen us. Every animal, every plant, he would see that blueprint in his mind's eye. And then he spoke, and it was. So if you want to create something, you first need to see it. And you see it in your mind's eye. And you see it in your heart. And that is called vision. First you need to see it, and then you can give birth to it. Okay, so I want to unpack a little bit about vision and specifically our vision as a church. And so I've, I've discovered that vision grows. So in 2009, when we came to East London, so we were a small group of people at Lavender Blue, meeting at Lavender Blue. And that original vision was quite simple. It was, do not fail. Do not stuff this up. That was sort of my, I didn't say it, but that was the, the thoughts that were going through my head. I've never done this before. I've never like gone somewhere to be the pastor of a church and take a small group of say 15, 20 people and, and then see it grow. And, and so one of the guys uh, that were in the church, he made an appointment with me. We had coffee and he said to me, Andre, what if God has called you to East London so that you can fail? I'm like, thank you so much. That is so, so encouraging. You are, you are just being such a wonderful Christian. I'm sure you're not being used by the devil in any way, but, uh, that, that you, you're not helping me. Okay. But so those thoughts were going through my head. Don't fail. That's, it's not a good vision. It's not a good vision to don't fail, but that's where we started. And the Lord started to grow the church and more and more lives are being changed. And, and so in 2012, there was a big shift. And the shift was this for the next four or five years. It was to answer this question. What if the power of God is truly for us? That was, that was the question. The first two, three years was, is like, what if I fail? <laughs> The, the, after that, it became, okay, no, failure is not on the table anymore. God is with us. But the question was, is God really with us? I mean, is, is the miracle worker with us? And so for the next four or five years, that was my struggle. I mean, is he truly with me? Is he truly with us? And, and even this morning, I was, as I, before the service, I, I heard the voice of God say this to me. Like an internal voice, the Holy of Holy Spirit, just speaking to me, saying to me, if the vision is mine, 
I'll make it happen. If the vision is yours, you're going to have to make it happen. I was so encouraged. I thank you, Jesus. It's going to be another good day. It's going to be another good Sunday. Because this is God's house. This is his vision. And he is building. He is changing lives. But so vision is important. But if it's your own good idea, you're going to have to make it happen. If it's his idea, he's going to make it happen. So you want to align your life with his plans, with his ideas, with his, what, what he is seeing. And so, and then in 2017 till say last year, earlier this year, you know, it, it, the vision shifted from just like, don't fail to God is with us. He's powerful. He's the miracle worker to what if what God is doing here is more than just having a church that's growing and where lives are being changed. What if the vision is to actually impact the city? And what if the vision is is wider than we originally thought? And, and that's sort of where it then transitioned into. This is more than just for us. And now in this season, I really feel God is wanting to bring clarity, simplicity and clarity to the vision that is on his heart. And so the... the Some of our speakers that have been joining us at the conferences this past year, they've been prophesying. They've been speaking without knowing what our passion is, what our mission is, or what God has been speaking to us. They have been confirming what we believe God has been speaking to us basically for the last 10 years, that we are about revival. We carry revival. The spirit of revival is the fivefold ministry anointings. And so they've been saying, God has called you for revival. God has called us for releasing revival into the city and beyond East London as well. And so, so, so this here and now moving forward, we are repositioning ourselves in terms of what I believe God and what we believe God is saying to us. And it's just basically summarized in one word, right? Revival. Revival to hearts. Revival to homes and revival to cities. A scalable vision from the individual to our homes and to cities. Okay, so I want to, I'm going to unpack that a little bit. But before I get into that, I want to first share a few thoughts about vision. So that we can understand the importance of vision. Because if you don't have vision, you cannot step into what God has for you. If you don't have vision, you can't move into missional living. If you're not seeing what you need to see, you're going to be struggling. So you need vision in your home, for your marriage, for your children, for your business, for your work environment, for your future. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? When you get up in the morning, what are you seeing? That answers the question about vision. Because here's a powerful quote by uh, a guy called Miles Monroe. He said, vision is the source and hope of life. The greatest gift ever given to mankind is not the gift of sight, but the gift of vision. Sight is the function of, our, of the eyes. Vision is a function of the heart. Vision is to see as God sees. That's a heavenly vision. 
Vision is to be able to look at something where there is nothing and yet you're seeing what should be, what could be. Then you can birth it into this realm. Vision is to be able to stand in an environment where there are a whole lot of problems. Let's say your marriage is falling apart. There's no hope. It seems. The truth is, if you would look at whatever you're facing through the eyes of the living God, you will have hope. God can never look at something like, oh my word, that is just beyond repair. It's hopeless. It's like, oh man. It's not like God's going to fall off his throne suddenly like, oh, I didn't expect that. You know, like, oh no. But when, so, so vision Heavenly vision is to be able to look even at problems and crises and chaos and at our nation, at our city. And to be able to see what God is seeing so that you can partner with him. I mean, even for those that drove here this morning, you might have seen if you've been driving down this road the last few weeks, a mighty, mighty miracle happened here in the streets. I drove past these massive holes that have been covered. And I'm like, there is a God. There is a God that fills up holes in the roads. Hallelujah. <laughs> there is a God. Amen. But so you can drive around town. And you can look at the holes. And you can just see the holes. Or you can see the one who fills them. Someday. Someday. Vision, vision, looking at our country, looking at corruption, looking at problems, looking at issues, and if, and not seeing that, not seeing the facts. We don't deny the facts, but we're not looking at the facts. We don't allow the facts to define us. We look higher. We look up. We look at the living God and we say, Lord, what are you saying? And then I hear the word of God and it says, where the darker it gets, the more the light is going to shine. Darkness is an opportunity. Problems are, and we go read the scriptures. The worse it gets, the more mightily God shows up. Amen. But you need to have vision. You need to see it. You need to see it with the eyes of your heart. You know, look at your children. If you have kids, you know, like maybe there are problems. Maybe it seems hopeless. But then you need to see with the eyes of the Lord. Thinking of this one guy. What's his name again? But he was born without limbs. Nick Vujicic. Now imagine that you have a child born without arms, without legs. That's a crisis. But who would have known that that little baby with no arms and no legs becomes an evangelist that is impacting millions and millions and millions of lives? Why? Because he looked beyond the lack of limbs. He saw with the eyes of heaven that this is the gift of God. We've given him a platform. That's vision. That's vision. It's looking at the, at the negatives and you're seeing an opportunity. You're seeing the hand of God. That's vision. And it's a gift from heaven. So, I mean, with your eyesight, you're looking at me through your eyes right now. Is your eyes, are they a gift from heaven? Yes. It is valuable to us. Eh? Your sight is valuable. It's incredibly valuable. Vision is more important than our physical sight. You can go through your whole life seeing, 
without vision. And you will impact very few lives. The key, the greater gift is the eyes of the heart. To see what God is seeing. Then you can partner with him. Then you can birth his will into the earth. I mean, this is how vision works. It's like becoming pregnant. At first, you don't see the baby on the inside. It is growing on the inside. Hmm? That's how it works for the women, not the men. Some people are a little bit confused these days about male and female. Anyway. But so first there's conception. That's like the implanting of the vision. That's the receiving of the vision. And then it grows. And at some point there's a little bit of a bump. Sometimes it's a little bit bigger. And like, oh my word, that's a decent sized bump. And then when I say that to somebody, my wife kicks me like, don't say that. Think it, don't say it. But anyway, so, so, so the, it first birthed on the inside and then it grows. The vision grows. The vision grows. You pray over it. You meditate upon it. You start seeing yourself differently. You start seeing your environment differently. And at some point it is birthed into this world and it becomes a reality. Then everybody sees it. There it is. There it is. For us as a church in 2006, Dion Hinnon, one of the elders here uh, at the church, he was a, a student in Stellenbosch before 2006. And then he came to East London with his, as an engineer with a dream in his heart to plant a church. We would not be here today if it wasn't for Dion having a dream in his heart that there should be a church. I, I joked with him in the previous service. <laughs> it's like it's, it's the beauty of youth. You don't know that you don't know. So you're like, hey, let's just do it. And then sometimes as we get older, we get cynical. And we say, that can't be done, can't work, it's not going to happen. And vision is to have that childlike excitement of what can be, what should be, what God wants to do. If it's a heavenly vision, it's gonna, God's going to make it happen with your partnership. If it's just your vision, although vision in any area is good, you're going to have to make it happen yourself. So vision is a powerful quote. Eyes that look are common, but eyes that see are rare. Eyes that see are rare. You need eyes to see. You need to do your eyes to see when you're, say, your teenager is going off track and losing their way. You need to see what God can do. You need to see what could happen in your work environment. You need to see what could happen in your home environment. You need to see, we need to see what God could do through this church. We need to see, because then we can partner with God. Vision is God's way of creating something from nothing. Creation. Creating, causing to be. You need to see it. You need to see it before you can birth it. So what are you seeing? Because I believe that's what God is asking us. Every one of us. What are you seeing when you look at yourself in the mirror? What are you seeing? Because most of us, most of the time, are probably not seeing what we should be seeing. Most of the time we would be breaking ourselves down. You're useless. You're 
pathetic, you're worthless, you're, you know, the, the self-talk tends to crush faith. And if you're continuously speaking, thinking, and agreeing with unbelief, guess what? There's no vision. There's no birthing. There's no change. The kingdom isn't coming. But if we would see ourselves differently, we can then ultimately begin to live differently. And so with our son, Vian is now 13, grade 8. Since he was like 3, 4, 5 years old, we would tell him, Vian, you are a leader. You're a leader. Because you're our child. That's just who we are. We are leaders. We believe it. God is with us. We realize what is in the scriptures available to all of us. But we're like, this is who we are. This is who you are. We see this in you. And now over time, we're beginning to see more and more of that manifesting in his life. He's becoming like his dad. You know, when I walk into environment, I immediately thinking, how can I upgrade something in the place? What's, what's out of place? How can I make it better? The focus on the family evening, I came a little bit later, people on the grass outside, and I realized there's no chairs. Where are the chairs? So we start bringing in chairs. We're making it better. Yes, yes, sit, come, sit, come, enjoy fellowship. But that's what a leader does. You, and I'm seeing the same in my boy. Whenever he's walking, he's like, oh, the light's on right. Aircon isn't right. Come on, make things sorted out. Because when you start thinking like a leader, you start acting like a leader. The truth is, every one of you here, you're a leader. You are a leader. Your past doesn't, doesn't determine who you are. Jesus determines who you are. A leader changes his environment. But you have to see it. Okay, so what do you see when you look in the mirror? How do you speak about yourself? How do you think about yourself? Because that will determine, do you have an environment where God can birth vision? But if you're continuously speaking negatively, unbelievingly, breaking yourself down, agreeing with the enemy. That is an environment where vision, the heavenly vision, cannot be birthed. It will kill vision. There needs to be hope. There needs to be faith. There needs to be a childlike excitement about the future. Amen. So change, allow it to change within you. And so in this passage, Jeremiah 1, I mean, it's a mess. The context is the nation is a disaster. That's Jeremiah's context. It's a disaster. They have been brutally, it's, it's, it's worse than South Africa, people. Way worse. And then it says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? So you, Jeremiah, you're looking at the devastation. You're looking at cities burnt, walls broken down, armies that have ravaged you. You've, 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 what do you see? And what does he see? It says there, I see a branch of an almond tree. In the midst of all the, the chaos, the death, the destruction, he is seeing new life spring forth. He's seeing with hope. He's seeing with expectation. It's like, I'm seeing new life. And guess what God says then after that? He says, then the Lord said to me, you have seen well. I am ready to, to move. Because you've seen well, I am ready to perform my word. Because one person in the nation could see with hope, new life. I'm ready to move. So what are you seeing? 
Because God's asking the question, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? What are you seeing about yourself? What are you seeing about your children? What are you seeing about your future? What are you seeing uh, of East London or our country? Because if we buy the narrative of this world, it kills vision. It just says it can't be done. Can't be done. But if you embrace hope, if you embrace, embrace the truth of God, if you start seeing with like I see the, with the eyes of heaven, then you're like, but with my God, all things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. You need to see if you want to see change. And so vision births missional living. You first need to see it. You need to write it down. You need to embrace it. You need to pray over it. You need to realign yourself with what you are seeing. And then missional living can follow. You first need to see it, then you can live it. You first need to see it before you can birth it. You first need to see it before you can partner with God. See it. I mean, that's what, you know, a month or two in after we came to East London, you know, I was just, God, if we can just get beyond 30 people in a service, that'd be massive. And so I was like despondent the one time because there were like 12 people that showed up in the service. Twelve. It's not a service, people. It's a small, small group. And then I was praying that week. I was upset. I was like, oh, what am I doing? Laying down my life, coming to East London. I mean, the Capetonians already think like we're crazy. Hallelujah. And then I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, prepare for growth. So we're the church had some finances saved up so i went out and i bought chairs i bought sound equipment i'm like the lord has spoken prepare for growth this is my response faith response and so the next sunday people came to the to venue and there were more chairs and there was suddenly some fancy sound equipment for us at that time and uh and some were offended why do you waste the money because god spoke prepare for growth you're not seeing it but i'm seeing it You're not seeing it, but I am seeing it. I'm seeing in the spirit. I'm seeing what God's going to do. I'm seeing lives change. I'm seeing God adding to his church. I'm seeing the Lord build his house. I'm going to partner with him. That's faith. But you first need to see it before you can act upon it. The vision births missional living. So Proverbs 29 uh, speaks about the importance of vision. And it says, where there is no revelation... No prophetic vision. The people cast off restraint. They run wild. When the people aren't seeing it, everybody runs in his own direction. It's like you have an army of a hundred guys and they're all fleeing in different directions. It's called the Russian army. Their hearts aren't in it. They think their leaders are crazy. They don't want to fight their brothers and they're all fleeing and against an army who knows what they're doing. They're fighting for their families. They're fighting for their kids. They're fighting for their land and they are willing to die for it. Guess who's going to win? Well, with a few billion help from the U.S. and U.K. and so forth. But they're seeing it and they are running together as one man. And so the next verse and the message translation of that passage says it so beautifully. It says, if people can't see, 
what God is doing. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. That is a crazy army. That is always going to lose. If we can't see what God is doing. And I believe God wants us to have clarity on what he is doing. I believe he is preparing us for revival. I believe he is calling us to release revival. Revival is not some wonderful concept of one day in the future. Revival is right now when one heart catches the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's revival. Revival to hearts. Revival to homes. Revival to cities. If you go back to that passage in the message translation, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. So we need to see. We need to see so we can run together, so we can align our lives with the will of God. The the word for vision in that passage is the word kazaun, the Hebrew word for vision or revelation or divine guidance. Without that, the people we lead will be confused, scattered, unfocused, and easily distracted. You know where I'm seeing this? I'm seeing this amongst our youth. If I listen to my son and, 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 he, and the other young people in his grade, I see a generation who don't see. Purp- purposeless, visionless. So they don't study, they don't work hard, they're just busy, distracted, falling over themselves, stumbling along because they don't have vision. And so... You know, at the conference we had recently, the one pastor, Pastor Rassi Furi, he prophesied over Sonic, myself, and specifically over Vian, our son, prophesied over him. And the one part of the prophecy that really spoke to him was where Rassi said, I see you in a profession, like a professional career kind of thing. And Vian said to us afterwards, that so spoke to him. Because he thought like, you know, probably need to become a pastor. Pastors don't need to study. They don't really know stuff, you know. They just need to probably sound like they know what they're talking about. (laughs) So he didn't have vision for his studies. But he says now he has vision. He sees it. I'm going to be in a profession. So I need to study so I can go to university, go study a degree. He's seeing it. So parents, we need to help our children to see it. We need to impart vision and purpose. We need to hear from the Lord what is he saying about them. It's not just our ideas and our suggestions. It's like, God, who is this child? Who is this child? What have you destined for them to be? If they're not strong in maths, probably not an engineer. If they're more arty, then align with that and encourage them to walk in that. But ask the Lord, God, what are you seeing? Without vision, people perish. They perish. They lose their way. I see this with people that come to church at times. That maybe they give their lives to Jesus, but they don't see themselves differently. They don't see themselves as, wow, I'm a man of God. If you're a man, a man of God. I need to qualify these days. A man of God because I see myself as somebody with purpose, with meaning, and lives are going to be changed through my life. If you see that, you're going to come to church and live differently. But those who lose that perspective, they're like, oh, I'm not feeling like church today. 
But those who know that they're part of the army, they're part of the army of the Lord, they're here to see lives change. They're like, yes, sir, I'm here. I've got ready. Andre, speak to me. Equip me. Teach me. Because I'm a man of God. And I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to learn. I can see where God's taking me. So I am implementing everything I need to implement so that I can grow into that. So you need to see it. Come on, say it. I need to see it. You need to see it. A heavenly vision gives birth to missional living. It is so powerful. When you can see it, then you can start live to start to live it. Okay, so our updated Shofar East London vision and missions. Okay, the vision is revival. You can put on revival, yes. If I wake you up in the middle of the night and I shake you, now what are we about? Revival! (laughs) We're about revival. What's revival? Revival is God's arrival. It's God showing up. It's God in the house. It is God changing lives. It is more than, hey, I want to give you a nice pep talk today. It's like, no, I want God to show up to rock your world. Amen? That's what revival is. And the vision pushes us beyond the, let's all just be, you know, calm and nice and stable. Stable people don't change the world. On fire, people change the world. Amen. Stable people change nothing. It is on fire people, passionate people that like, let's go for it. It's they that change the world. And this vision gives you and me license to worship Jesus. License to be passionate. License to go for it. License to be sold out for the living God. License to say, hey, I'm not going to be half-hearted. I'm in. I'm willing to lay down my life for my for, for this mission like the Ukrainian soldiers. I am in for my family, for the kids, for our land. I am not double-minded. The vision gives us license. And that's so important because we, another church will have another vision. And that's fine. But everyone needs to receive from the Lord what is the vision for them. And they need to run with that. And so if you come here and you're like, oh, it's a little bit too much fire, too much passion. It's like, I'm not going to make excuses. This is our heavenly vision. We're going to run with it. We're going to run with it. We're going to run with it. Revival to hearts, to homes. To city, scalable from the individual, but it needs to manifest in our homes. Otherwise, it's just fake. There needs to be the reality in our homes of Christ being revealed, and then it must overflow to East London and beyond. I really believe that is what God is wanting to do. And if we would align ourselves with that, then we're gonna. I believe we're gonna see God show up in such a powerful way. So it's anchored in this Acts chapter two. It speaks about Pentecost. There's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 120 in an upper room and then God shows up. Revival. And then it says there, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Come on, say fire. Fire. And one sat upon each of them. One sat upon each of them. One sat upon each of them. Every person. Not just an on fire preacher while the other 109 are like, well done, Peter. Well done, Peter. Well done, Peter. It's like 120 on fire for Jesus. 
The result is thousands turn to Christ. And that fire spreads to Jerusalem. And then that fire spreads beyond into the Roman Empire and changes the world. Because a fire set upon each of them. That's why revival begins with you. With me. Begins with me. Begins with you. Revival is not a far off concept. If the future revival of thousands turning to Christ will at all become a, our reality, then it needs to start with me. I need to catch the fire. I need to discover more of God. And this is, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the vision is anchored in Pentecost. It's like, Revival, but then it gives birth to three missions. Vision, revival to hearts, each one having an encounter with Jesus. Revival to hearts, revival to homes, and then revival beyond that into the city. License to go for it. You put it on the next slide. So it is coming to the fire. It is positioning yourself. If you want, if you want a fire on the inside of you, to burn. If you want revival to come to your heart. Well, it starts off by saying, uh, I've lost it. I'm no longer there where I was. When I was younger, I was really excited, passionate about Jesus. But I'm no longer. And you can pick it up. It's like maybe you've been in the church thing now for a while, for some years. Maybe you were really passionate when you, when you were younger. You would worship Jesus and you would just weep. You would just be... Undone, overwhelmed by his love and his goodness. And then you what? You grow up, eh? Become stable. Now you're like half-mast. You look at the person next to you and they're weeping, they're crying, they're like, Ah, Jesus! And you're like, irritated. Can you please tone it down? Please, please. You've lost it. You've lost the fire. You've lost the passion. Maybe you've never had it. Then I want to invite you into that. To find that passion. Because that's the real deal. The real deal. The original standard is revival. It's passion. It's fire. It is being sold out for Christ. It is being unashamed. It's not being double-minded. It's like, Lord, I'm yours and I'm in. And here's a prayer you can pray. I was reading a book by Craig Rochelle and it just really spoke to me. He shared how he lost it. He lost the fire. He lost the passion. He lost. He became a professional pastor. And he realized he lost it. And it's so easy for any one of us to lose it. To lose it. To lose that fire. That childlike passion and pursuit of Jesus. Being in love with him. And like I'm sold out for you Jesus. And he said this is what he started to pray. Lord ruin me in a good way. Ruin me, God. Let me feel what you feel. Let me feel your heart. Let me feel your pain. Let me feel what you are feeling for other people. God, ruin me for the half-heartedness. Ruin me for being double-minded. Ruin me for trying just to be stable. Ruin me because I'm, I have, I've caught your heart. I've caught your heart. I see, I mean, Friday night we had a, a youth, beautiful youth evening, amplified youth. And, and I was like, it's like, I, I know if I don't pitch up there with fire, their lives are not going to be changed. 
They need more than a pep talk. They need Jesus to set them free. They need Jesus. And I need to bring it. And you need to bring it. And so I was like with some of the young people. I mean, God has been doing incredible miracles in their lives. And I was speaking to the one, one young girl that, that I wanted to have a share. And, and she was like, I, I don't know if I can share. I fell for, I've fallen back into some of that. And I thought, it's okay. We celebrate what Jesus has done. And I know with all my heart, he loves you. I love you. We love you. And you're going to get free. Oh, I just gave her a hug and she was just crying. She says, this, this love is amazing. We need to bring the love. We need to bring this passion that we know. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Jesus is bigger than this. He's going to set you free. We are for you. He forgives you. He loves you. He's here for you. But I know I'm ruined. If I lose the fire, so many people will lose it as well. They need Jesus. Revival is God's arrival. It is God tangibly showing up. It's more than just a message. It is people encountering Jesus in a such a radical way that they are transformed for life. But then you and I need to catch the fire. We need to have the fire within us. Revival begins with you. Revival begins with you, but you need to pray this prayer. Lord, ruin me. Ruin me, God, ruin me, ruin me. I mean, we were in Cape Town the last few weeks up and down. And, and on the Sunday morning, we were driving from Somerset West area to Franschhoek through Stelis with my wife next to me, the sun rising. It was gorgeous. I'm like, this is beautiful. But I'm like, there's more. He is more. You can have the most beautiful environments around you, but without the fire within your heart, and you are missing it. So I'm like, Jesus, help those Cape Townians. Because they might think they've got it. I tell you, they don't. Unless Jesus. So uh, pray the prayer, Lord, ruin me, that nothing that this world offers me can satisfy me. This so often happens to me when I'm nice places, beautiful places, wonderful. I'm like, no, there's more. Give me Jesus. Why? So that someone can have an encounter with Christ. Revival to our hearts first so that others can catch the fire. Pray the prayer. Lord, ruin me. Ruin me to the things of this world. Ruin me to be satisfied with the earthly, the, the physical, the natural. God, ruin me that I may live for you with everything within me. Amen. And position yourself at the fire. Every Sunday, be here. Every Sunday, respond on the altar call. Have someone pray for you. Say, I need more fire. I need to be set free. Position yourself at Freedom Encounter. Coming up next week, Monday. Like, Lord, I need to be free. I need to be healed. I need to, I need to be positioned where I can follow you. Get to a life group. Join us on Thursday evening, 6.30 to 8. We'll get, we're praying next door for the fire of the Holy Spirit to come. May you be ruined. That when you sit at home and you want to flip through Netflix, you're like, oh, this is so, oh, I want Jesus. Turn it off. Turn it off. It's not going to satisfy you. It will just sink your destiny if that is where you're being satisfied continuously, continuously, continuously. Turn it off and follow Jesus. Position yourself. Pray that prayer. Lord, I'm praying. Lord, ruin us that we'll never be able to do Netflix binging and just passionate about you. 
<laughs> a little bit's okay. A little bit's okay. If the PG, if the age restriction is low. I asked the young people. I asked the young people. Now the conviction is hitting right now. I asked the young people on Friday night. Because we're talking about freedom. And a lot of them are struggling with fear. So I asked him the question. Okay, right, guys. Who of you have watched horror movies? I mean, there's grade sevens, grade eights, grade nines. 90% hands up. Horror movies. And I'm like, why do you think you're struggling with fear? What entertains you, enters you. What entertains you, enters you. I was grade three and I watched Nightmare on Elm Street. I didn't sleep for three months. Yes, I Freddy. <sighs> Sorry to all the Freddies in the house. <laughs> but I'm like, out in Jesus' name. I couldn't sleep. I was tormented because I exposed myself to the wrong stuff. You're not going to get the fire if you position yourself with the feeding of those kind of things. What entertains you enters you. You need to reevaluate. You need to reevaluate. If you want the fire. If you don't want the fire, that's fine. But I'm like, I don't want to waste my life. I want to one day stand before Jesus and I want to hear good and faithful servant. You brought it. You brought it. You brought it. You brought the fire. You followed me. You stepped out. You freaked out a lot of people, but I like it. It's okay. It's okay. They need to be shaken up a little bit. Jesus freaked out a lot of people as well. Let's bring the fire. I was so proud. On uh, Thursday, the Collins family started a new business here in town next to the fruit and veg. Escort. Escort. Go support them. But I was on a launching thing on Thursday morning, and, and I was so proud of these guys. Greg Collins, he uh, said a few words, and then he honored not just God. He honored Jesus. I mean, there's a lot of wealthy business people that were there, influential people, head office and this and that. And he's like, I want to honor Jesus Christ. Jesus. I'm like, yes. That was like a wide open door. I was supposed to just pray, but I was preaching. I was preaching after that. I'm like, I'm going to tell you guys, there is no life outside of Jesus. It was wonderful. How's that? For, for seeing that business is more than just the money. It's about impacting lives. And there's probably like 20 plus staff there. And I'm like, that, they are Greg and Nigel's. That's their, that's their church. That's their flock. And I loved it how they spoke to them about we're family and we're going to have fun. And they treat the people so well. They glorify Jesus. I'm like, that's some, that, that is inspiring. The money is not going to satisfy you guys. All these things are not going to satisfy you. It is him. And it's living for him. That's what satisfies. When you find your purpose, you find your destiny, you look in the mirror and you see yourself as God sees you and you start living accordingly. Amen. Revival to hearts. Then secondly, revival to homes. I'm going to just end off with, with this. Revival to homes. So it's one thing to say, hey, I'm on fire for Jesus. And I had an encounter with the Lord on Sunday or at in Freedom Encounter. That's incredible. You need it. You need the fire needs to be lit. But then the question is, what happens at home? What happens at home? What happens at home? Are we nurturing relationships? 
What do we look like at home? Are we revealing the very nature of Christ at home? You know, the last few months have been really challenging. You know, and over the years as, you know, I have been growing, I've been in my leadership ability. It's like I'm handling pressure better. That's how it should be. As you grow, you should be able to handle pressure better. So I'm like, yo, no, better, better, better. But the last two months, there were a lot of unforeseen things that came up over my table and it pushed me over my limits. I've, I've just haven't grown enough. <laughs> and the result is like for a month or two, I was irritable at home. I was, I was kort van draad. Lekker in Afrikaans. Say it so good. I was like, I had a short fuse. I would, like, my wife would just look at me funny. I'm like, what? No, not, not that bad. Okay, not that bad. But I was just like, Ugh, you know. So my wife would just, a few times would just like, uh, honey, you stay in the bedroom. I'm going to do something else. Close the door. And I'm praying and trying to just find my peace again. Just trying to. Just get back to who I really am. Because that's not who I am. The irritable, angry, worked up person. That's not me. But I had to own it. I had to say, this is unacceptable. This kind of behavior is unacceptable. Angry, unkind, short fuse. This is unacceptable. And see, what we often do is we blame. Oh, it's the pressure. And it's this. And it's that. Or it's her. I'm not going to point it to anybody. It's her. <laughs> it is so easy in our relationships to blame the other person, but actually you should point to yourself. No pressure or the other person's behavior is ever justification for you to act like a fool, for you to misrepresent Jesus, for you to be unkind or ungodly or cuss somebody out or treat them like dirt. It's unacceptable. You know, it says one thing, say, hey, we had a fire service on Sunday and the kingdom was coming and lives were being changed. I want to know what's happening Monday night at home. I want to know. I don't care how nicely we can talk about Jesus and testify and say all the way. I, mean, I, I want to know how you speak to your wife in the week or your kids when no one sees. Because if that isn't changed, it's a joke. It's a joke. We are a joke. We are a joke. And the people in the world can see right through it. They can see it when we're fake. We need to be the same people in church that we are at home. Same. Same. You own your stuff. When you act like a fool, you own it, you apologize, and you get help. Get help. Attend the encounters. Get counseling. Speak to a brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, I need to be accountable. I need to deal with my stuff. I'm acting, I'm, I'm acting unchristlike, and I'm hurting. I'm hurting my wife. I'm hurting my husband. I am hurting my kids. For revival to be real revival, it needs to impact the home. Amen. It needs to be real at home. So I loved it. Like a week or two ago, when school started, it was the Monday night. School started on the Tuesday. Monday night, Vian, our son, comes to me in Sonica. We're sitting on the bed, and he comes to us, and he says, "Can we please worship and pray together?" Because he knows it's war. It's school tomorrow. Hallelujah! And I'm like, Vian, you know how I feel about worship and pray. I'm like, yes, let's do it. So now we're sitting on the bed and we're worshiping and my son is loud. 
I'm like, if I was that loud, my wife would have said, tone it down. But because he's her blue-eyed little boy, he can do whatever he wants to. But that was awesome. That was awesome. I'm like, praise God. I'm not just preaching it on Sundays. It's like it's impacting our son. Then it's real. Then it's real. So guys, make a fire at home. Don't burn the place down. Braai. And then a spiritual fire. A place where you can worship together at home. A place where you can talk about Jesus together. A place where you can pray and have communion. A place where the, where the life of Jesus is reigning in the house. Amen. Nurture relationship. Revival must come to our home. So Galatians 5.19. It says it speaks about the works of the flesh. And then it says these will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's important for us to, again, just get, get the standard of godliness. Just put it out there. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. Idolatry can be you worship money. I know how many divorces because of people who love money more than they love their spouse. Idolatry. Your, your hobby can be idolatry. Your hobby. Your work can be idolatry. Okay. Don't worship anything but Jesus. And if you worship Jesus, you're going to love your spouse. You're going to love the people around you. Amen. I've realized sometimes I can fast and pray for 40 days to see the kingdom come. Or I can just really love my wife well. I think it's like the same scale of impact for the kingdom. It pleases God as much. 40 days of fasting and prayer, which is passionately loving my spouse. Loving your, your partner. Loving your kids. It pleases the heart of God. It goes on. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, fighting, jealousy, fits of anger. Fits of anger. Rivalries. Dissensions. Divisions. Envy. Drunkenness. Orgies and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Fighting. Impurity, drunkenness, all this. That's not the image of Christ. That's not the heart of God. That is destructive for you and those around you. If you have a problem, own it. Speak to somebody about it. Get help and then pray. Uh, verse 22, then he speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. This is the nature of Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For revival to, to come to our homes, you and I need to manifest this. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of that. that. That then revival is coming to our homes. If you're missing it, if you're not there, own it. Get help. Pray to God. And then on the next slide, you need to pray this. Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. Heal me. Help me. If you're getting triggered, if you're acting out, get help. Pray the prayer. Lord, heal me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Revival to hearts, homes, cities. So please stand with me. Just want to share just the last one. Revival to cities. What is that about? You can just go to the slide that just highlights some of those points to the next two slides on. Revival to cities. 
to pray the prayer, Lord, stretch me. So first you and I need to catch fire in our hearts. Then it needs to manifest in the home. And then it needs to overflow into our environments. Impact in our schools. On Friday night, there was a young man uh, in the youth. And I could see he is uh, struggling. Worship. He's dying. While I was sharing, <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, Jesus, he needs help. <laughs> I could see, I could see he's not in it. When yet at the end he responded, committed his life to Christ again and, and just admitted, hey, I am struggling. I am struggling with my faith. I'm struggling in my faith. And then I realize is what he needs and so many other people need. They need more than a message. They need a demonstration of the greatness of God. And it was wonderful on Friday night to have, to have some of these young people share, like the one shared how the, the scars on her, on her wrist it disappeared and on her hip, like the tangible miracle of even scars disappearing. And then some of the others shared how, you know, they were suicidal and on all these pills and they were struggling with all these things. And yet Jesus came and set them free and this, this massive shift in their lives. They need to see it. And that is revival. It's when God shows up tangibly. Tangibly, we like God. We believe you've called us to release revival to cities. This city, East London, for Jesus. Lord, come and show up. Come and reveal your love. Come and show everyone your strength, your greatness. You, the miracle worker. And those miracles point to Christ. Our young people need to see the reality of God. And you see it at home. Mom and dad loving one another in a godly way. And even if mom and dad fails and misses it, then they apologize and they own it in front of the kids. That's fine. Not called to perfection. Revival to hearts, homes, and cities. So I'm going to continue over the following weeks on this topic. But for right now, I want to ask you this question. How's the fire in your heart? How's your passion? Have you fallen away from your first love? Have you lost your way? Have you allowed your life to be filled with the things of this world and so the fire is lacking? You can get the fire back. You can get the fire back. And if you've never had the fire, you can get the fire. It's nothing like a heavenly bride. If you think an earthly bride is good, a heavenly bride, the fire of the Holy Spirit coming, it's beautiful. It just burns out everything that's not of Jesus in you. Everything that you don't like about yourself, it just burns it out of you. That is his heart. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.